0: It is another edition of Pool Time. This is episode five. My name is Max King, your host. We'll be talking Michigan State swimming on the women's side and Michigan State water polo on the men's side. And remember, you can always access any of the archives for Pool Time or Michigan State swimming, diving, and water polo on impact89fm.org forward slash sports. Go to the MSU sports tab and then select men's swimming, diving, women's swimming and diving, water polo. And So on. So we're going to start off talking about Michigan State's swim meet last Friday and the preview this Friday's meet on the women's side. The guys have not been swimming in any meets the last couple of weeks. We'll hear from head coach Matt Giannotis and we'll also have a special guest in studio later on in the show, Ian Wendro, who just finished his second year on the Michigan State men's water polo team. He's going to come in the studio and talk to us about the season and many other things. So we have a very busy show. As always, lined up for today. So let's get right into the Michigan State women's swimming. Now, last Friday, that was October 25th, the Michigan State women's team had a big meet against the University of Illinois with Liberty University as well. But the main story was Michigan State against Illinois because the last couple meets, they have been extremely close. And unfortunately for the Michigan State women's team, it didn't go their way. I actually wrote an article about the tightly contested meets in the past. Michigan State women had lost their last two meets to Illinois for, by a combined 16 points. And you, again, you can read that article at the Michigan State Women's Swimming and Diving page at impact89fm.org forward slash sports. But it was a loss last Friday, the 25th, to Illinois, 178-122. to 122. And it was actually, the score doesn't do it justice, because that was a very close meet the first half. Some really good swims. I talked to Matt a couple weeks ago, previewing that meet, and he said that the biggest races were going to be the freestyle races. And he was right. They were big races, and Michigan State did very well in them. And I think that they did what they wanted to do in the freestyle events. However... Some of the stroke events, especially the 200 back and 200 fly, really hurt them. We're going to talk about that in a second. But some of the big races in the first half of the meet, first of all, no question, the biggest race that got that whole place going was the thousand. Now, Rebecca Berman, who was a junior on the team, who talked to her. She's been on the show before. She was swimming that race, and it was a really exciting race to watch because she at one point, I mean, she was in third most of that meet. She was in third most of that race. She wasn't just in third by a little bit. She was in third by two body lengths, okay? I'm talking about from third to first. Second place had about a body length on her. So she was behind quite a bit, okay? And I remember sitting when I was at that meet, I was looking at her splits, and she was slowly being separated from second and third by, uh, you know, tenth of a second two tenths of a second pretty certain was behind second place by a second and first place by two seconds so it looked like trouble for them because if they get one twoed in that event not very good so probably about the 600 mark she started kicking it into place and she ends up winning the race okay not just getting second she won the race by 0.22 seconds so she beat out swimmer from liberty who was actually leading most of the race she didn't have enough gas to get home she swam it really well and uh and if you want to hear how she swam that race you can go on the the michigan state swimming page at impact sports you can hear that post game from her but so the the thousand was definitely a, a tone setter for that first half of the meet that the pool was really loud and she even said people on deck jumping up and down matt you notice jumping up and down telling her to kick it into gear that really helped her too so that was a big race for Michigan State early on. Summer Strickler came back right after that in the in the 200 freestyle, and she had a very nice win, too. She went 152 low in that event, and she, again, that was, that was a close race for her. She outtouched an Illinois swimmer there as well. So those are two back-to-back really good swims for Michigan State, and I think that's what they were looking to get into the second half of the meet, where a big momentum shift, but... Going into the break, they had the momentum, no doubt about it. They were still losing, but it was close. And I was actually surprised when they announced the score at the break that they were losing because they really had swam that well. And it wasn't just about them winning races. It was about getting, you know, in second, third, fourth, things like that. So, you know, going that first half of the meet, I was surprised that they were still down, but they wasn't by much. And I thought, okay, if they can keep that going into the second half of the meet, they're going to be in good shape and they're going to get that win against Illinois that they've been looking to get and they haven't gotten the last couple years. Uh, But that didn't happen, because the second half of the meet, the 200 backstroke and the 200 butterfly, as I mentioned, were huge momentum swing toward Illinois. Now, Michigan State got 5th and 6th in both of those events, in both heats of the 200 backstroke as well. So it was a tough race for them, because they had so much momentum going into that first half of the meet, that if you get 5th and 6th place, back-to-back heats... And then fifth and sixth place in back-to-back events that really really hurts you. And of course, Illinois got first and second in that in those two heats as well. So that that was that's was a that's a huge point swing too um, from a, from a points perspective, not just momentum or mentality perspective either. So we're gonna listen to Matt. Do notice in the post game again? This is also from the post game article that I wrote last week, but we'll play you the post game for what he thought as well. Because despite the loss, the tough loss, he was actually still really pleased. So let's hear from Matt.
1: From a performance and an effort standpoint, no disappointment whatsoever, you know, and, and I think the other two teams, a little bit deeper than we are, a little bit better than we are. You know, before I say anything, my, my heart goes out to Kathleen and the Malloy family, because her dad, I don't think, is going to make it through the weekend, and so she went home to at least try to be with him before he passed away, and so I send my best to her. thought we built a lot of momentum up, and then, you know, we had a, we had a really nice run there, uh, like a great run. Um through the first half of the meet and then the second half of the meet I think we started running out of some gas. We just, you know, we are we're, we're, we're in a different phase where where we are in training wise. So I I I thought we the 1000, the 200, the 100 freestyle was great. Our 50s were awesome and some of our girls who, were, who weren't even swimming for points, I thought swam exceptionally well. So it was a good meet. I mean, it's tough to lose, but but if you're going to lose, you want to lose like that.
0: And that was Matt G Notice uh, in his post game from the Illinois meet. Actually, you heard there at the beginning of his post game he sent his thoughts out to his assistant coach, Kathleen Malloy, whose father passed away. Actually, we can give you an update now. He did pass away over last weekend, um, and he had a long bout with cancer that he ultimately lost. So, that's a really tough, you know, kind of getting away from the competition itself. The swimming and diving team has had a really rough month of October because I've mentioned this before Matt Giannotis' father, Gus. He passed away on the 14th at the age of 87. And then two weeks later, Coach Malloy's father passes away. And so, Matt, he'll he'll talk about it. We'll hear it from him in a second um, when we preview Ball State. But that's really tough for them. He'll talk about that in a little bit, about how the team really has bounced back. They've just been really consistent training and things like that. So, unfortunate news there and uh, really kind of freakish news. I mean, who, who would have thought that would happen? But let's get into Ball State now. Uh, Ball State is coming up tonight at 5 o'clock. That's Friday, November 1st. And Ball State has a good senior class. They have a lot of good experienced swimmers. Uh, Should give Michigan State as much as they can competition-wise. And again, this is just the Ball State women's team. The men's team is not going to be swimming tonight. Matt Giannos is going to explain that right now. So let's listen to Matt Giannos' preview of Ball State from earlier this week.
1: Well, they had a girl make NC two A's individually in a hundred breaststroke, and uh, so that's pretty good. Their relay won the MAC championship last year too. They got a good team, um, and uh, we're—I pre- mean—we're prepared to see their best absolutely because they got to swim Toledo the very next day, so they'll come up here ready to go. Uh, you know, it's a long-standing tradition that they've been on our schedule. They were off it last year, but before that, they were on it all the time. Their old head coach, who retired in um, 2012, she uh, was a Michigan State. She was a Michigan State graduate. In fact, it's Jack Seibold's daughter. So. Laura Caudill. But the new coach there is, uh, she's got a lot of energy. She's really done a nice job with those girls. They're a good team. They got a good team.
0: And uh, despite the, the loss last week, you were pretty pleased with the, the women's performance. What are you looking to build off from last Friday to this Friday?
1: Well, I was really pleased with the women's performance, in particular when I saw how teams, uh, other teams in the league performed that same weekend, you know what I mean? And then we took an awful lot out of Illinois because the very next day, they didn't perform as well at Oakland as they did here. So uh, yeah, I was pleased with performance. I think the biggest thing is zeroing in on some of our cut times that we have to do to get into the second semester, and just improving off the first two meets of the year. That's the biggest thing we got to do.
0: What's most crucial to you, as far as events go, for Friday night?
1: Well, the relays, and then you know the relays, and then the freestyle events. I, I think we have a real advantage in the freestyle events, at least based on what they we, they showed last week. I you know, But I, I, I would say the relays are always the biggest. In dual meets, the relays are always the biggest things. I think we have an advantage, I think, in the free relay, and they have the advantage in the medley. If we can get them in the medley, we'll be in pretty good shape.
0: How do you see the meet playing out?
1: Uh, tight, and um, they're going to win some events. Uh, they're going to win more than their first year of events, and our women are just going to have to be ready to uh, go event to event, just keep doing their best, that's all.
0: Going to the men's side now, they've been off for a little bit, but before we get into that, now why doesn't the Ball State men's team coming to swim? I know they they have a meet on Saturday, but when that was scheduled, why wasn't both men's and women's scheduled? Uh,
1: Well, I think it has to do with budgetary things. I I know Bob, and I've known Bob a long time, their men's coach, and they used to come up with the women all the time. You know, He's fighting a tough battle down there with budgets. Um, I think he'd like to come up here. Uh, and we'd like to go back down there, too. I mean, we've always been able to do it because it's an easy trip. You know, it's only three, three and a half hours away. Uh, but you'd have to ask Bob about that. I, I, my guess is it would have something to do with budgets.
0: Now, the men have had some time off regarding uh, meets, at least. You know, they haven't swam since Iowa on the 18th. How is training going for them? Who specifically has been training well these last couple weeks?
1: I think they all have. Um, and I'm interested to see how they rebound. I, I thought we swam pretty well at Iowa, all things considered. And uh, you know our women improved so much last week that I'm really excited about getting to next Friday for the men so that they can build off of what they did at Iowa too. But I, I you know, I can't speak any, I can't pick anyone out specifically. But I think they've been all been doing a pretty good job. Yeah.
0: What do they need to work on to get better at for Grand Valley on November 8th?
1: Uh, they got to work at at first of all recognizing what it takes to win meets, and I think they need to work on uh, supporting each other while the meets going on, and I think that only happens through practice like having meets you know it's tough to practice that day to day i think they do a nice job of holding themselves accountable in practice but it's they have to start doing it in meets now you know uh and then you mentioned last time we spoke about coach malloy's father uh can you give an update on that yeah he passed on saturday morning and um, in fact the viewing is today wednesday and then the funeral is tomorrow thursday and she's hoping to be back in time for the weekend i don't know if she's going to make it back on friday or saturday um she's a brother who lives in taiwan and uh, i think she wants to spend a little bit of time with him he just got in a couple days ago so um unfortunately he passed away uh he had a long bout with cancer and um you know i know the family's all there together so we give our best to them for sure
0: your father recently passed now her father what's the team been doing How's that affected the team
1: i don't think it's affected him at all and i i mean give him credit too because you know we're we've gone now th- basically three weeks in a row down an assistant coach um and give Mike credit too you know mike's a first-year guy and uh And Nicole, I mean, Nicole was with us last year, but give Mike credit because Mike has really done a really nice job first year in the program. He's really filled in a lot of gaps because, you know, I was gone for a whole week and then I was back last week and then Kathleen kind of left. So we've been trying to hold it together and the team has responded quite well. They they could have, I mean, they've done a nice job. I don't think it's affected them. Only positively has this affected them for sure.
0: And what kind of support have they shown yourself and Coach Malloy uh, during this tough month for both of you?
1: Well, they've shown a lot. I mean, I, I don't know how they're doing with Kathleen, but I've gotten a lot of cards and stuff and, and notes and texts and emails from parents and kids on the team. Like I, when it happened, the week it happened, it was good. And basically I said the easiest way you can help me out and, and honor me is by behaving well and training right. And they've done that over the last two weeks. So it's been a tough two weeks, man. I mean, you know, it's been a tough two and a half weeks. And uh, But the good news is, is that eventually we'll get over it and then we can just start moving towards February.
0: No, I think I know they answered this last question, but we got to ask. What's your prediction for Saturday's football game?
1: Uh, I think Michigan State's going to win the game. Don't ask me about a score, though, but I think we're going to win the game. And we're playing at home. So, yeah, I think Michigan State's going to win the game.
0: And, again, I will be at that meet tonight, which is at 5 o'clock, at McCaffrey Pool, and I am West in East Lansing. If you want to know, you can follow tweets at msu impact sports or the personal account which is at max max underscore a underscore king and i'll give you all the updates on the events there so that's what's going on for the women's swim team the men's team we also heard from matt been training well their next meet again is against grand valley this is east lansing that's next friday november 8th so with that said that's all we have for michigan state swimming today so let's get into our special guest now we have Ian Wendro, who just finished his second year on the Michigan State men's water pole team. He joins us in studio. So, Ian, let's get right into it.
2: What position do you play? I'm on the B squad, so it's kind of more or less like whenever I'm needed, be thrown in. I tend to play wing sometimes, and if not that, I'll go into uh, either set position <clears throat> or just hang up top around uh, either the two or four positions. So. Uh, basically, again, yeah, it's just whenever I really needed.
0: Yeah, could you explain? So, so a little bit of a utility player. Just explain for maybe some people who don't know, you know, the position. What is a wing position and things like that?
2: Sure, sure. It's a lot like basketball, honestly, in terms of how you think of positioning. So you have, yeah, okay. So the cage, the picture of the cage in front of you, and going from counterclockwise, the far side is the one position of the wing. One, two, three is the up top. He's like directly facing the cage. Four, five is also another wing. And you have a six who is either set position, he's basically in the like, basically right in front of the cage, and he basically draws in other players so the wings have space and they can pass around and stuff. Um, wings are usually important because they essentially are the ones who are going to pass to either a driver coming in or pass back up top. So they, when you, you get the ball to them, uh, that's something that you want to do as an offensive player, and as a defensive player, you want to stop, so you want to push him out or something because the closer a wingman can get in, the better the chance he has to maybe even shoot. Or it's not really good uh, shooting lane, or just passes someone else. So that's basically the position with that. And on defense, it's more or less uh, the same thing. You just guard te- people on that position and stuff. So uh, I talked with a few players, former and current. Uh,
0: jack Josh Jackson being being the current, um, about the transition from high school water polo to college water polo. Now mm-hmm. you just you you more have a recent idea of. They told me that the biggest transition for them. When they were younger, was the physicality of the game in high school to water polo? Would you agree with that? And if so, what other what was other big transitions for you?
2: You know, it's it's unfortunate because I actually to do high or water polo in high school. I uh, did a marching band instead, so that tells you what kind of clique I hung around with. But um, yeah, definitely, the first thing I noticed on I mean, like freshman year first day was that it's just a it's just a really rigorous sport. You got. To learn how to tread, and then after treading, you have to you know quickly pick up how you got to pass and shoot and all that. Swimming uprights a lot different than swimming head down. I did swimming in high school. and I thought, oh, cool, I have the skill set, and no, it's it's a, it's a much different uh, set of muscle groups you're using. So, um, you know, I, I can't get the same perspective they have, but definitely I can see how it's it's a tough thing. And I noticed this year when I sort of took a little bit of time uh, in between seasons to you know work on. Uh, 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 treading and stuff like that, how much of a difference it makes, and absolutely for anybody going from high school level things to college, it's it's going to be tougher, obviously, and especially the fact that we're a Big Ten team. This is very serious. We are competing against you know top players in other schools. That yeah, that definitely is major hurdle to overcome is a physicality of the sport. You came into
0: water polo. You started your first time was in was in college, correct? Mm-hmm. So what made you want to start playing polo, and what and you kind of touched on some things, but and so what was the biggest kind of transition to get used to from swimming to water polo
2: it was actually more just an issue of, you know, issue of availability uh, so yeah in high school I did swimming because uh, I'm not exactly the best at running and kind of cut out a lot of sports and just it, it's I, I'm, I'm more built for it I find I have a whole broad shoulder and like short trunk kind of thing so you know my dad uh, did physical education um, uh, he has a degree in it and he taught it he's like you know what you would probably good in this I tried it out and I was just, sort of just it, it, I gravitated towards it and I actually had a bit of a skill in it so I stuck with that and then when I got to college the swim team here is a varsity thing there may be a club swim team I didn't check it out but I thought you know what water polo is a fun sport I like watching it sometimes and it's a fun game to play I used to do a couple pick up things here and there with some friends so I thought alright I'll go do it this year it's a club team it's walk on no big deal and uh, you know cool enough I had a kid from my high school who's also on it and got off my floor last year became friends with he on the team so just became one of those things where I joined it, and I like the people, and I like the sport, so I just stuck with it, yeah. And uh,
0: so, your first year on the team, did you kind of have like a, for lack of a better phrase, a welcome to the league type of thing, where you, you were playing, and all of a sudden you just got overwhelmed with something, and you're like, okay, this is college water polo.
2: I'd probably say it was just the first day of practice where we had that set, and it's like, you know, uh, having a sprint head up was like, well, this is tough. Doing a, I remember thinking that maybe in the first or second day we had this thing where we, uh, we all get in a circle and you know this is before we go into the actual uh polo drill stuff where we start working on drills and scrimmaging and stuff um, we're treading whatever and then the, you know we had to like uh do ten twenty second intervals of like keeping yourself above like the waist, or, you know higher mm-hmm. up um putting your hands in the air and stuff and at that point I was just like dying because I still was learning how to tread so i'm like I'm basically like sinking back, and the water's like up to my chin, and I'm just like... Uh, so, yeah, that was probably the point where I realized that this is going to be uh, a tough but worthy sport.
0: Ian Wenjo joining us here on Pool Time. The team had a very successful season, 9-2, and 7-1 and one overall in the Big Ten. Uh, you're ranked as high as fourth in the nation in wow. the CWA polls. And then you ended up staying in that for the rest of the season, the, the top 20 uh, fluctuating between uh, some different rankings. But the season did end maybe a little sooner than the team would have liked. They lost in the Big Ten championship game, which, as I talked about in a, a previous episode, it's whoever just wins that thing goes to the Nationals. There's no automatic mm-hmm. bids or things like that. So, And you lost to, uh University of Indiana in that game. So, talk about uh, the season as a gener-
2: as a whole. How did it go? What were some ups? What were some downs? You know, on the whole, this was just a really good season. It just, as a team, we all just clicked. We got a bunch of, you know, we didn't get as many people as we liked, but the freshmen or new players we did get were, you know, they were good players or they were just really nice guys. So, we meshed as a team. We had a really good coach. And, you know, it was, the really unfortunate thing about that Big Ten is that it was just anybody's game. We had worked hard for it, and I don't want to put down Indiana. They worked hard for it, and congratulations to them. But it was one of those things where it's like this This felt like our year, especially in consideration of last year. We had a fourth at Big Tens. This was like the year we could have really taken it. So, you know, on the whole, though, I'm really proud of what everyone's done. Um, I'm proud of how I've improved and how everyone else in the B team with me has improved. And uh, at this point, honestly, it's just one of those things where you look forward and say, all right. We got second place. It's not good enough. We can definitely get first. Let's work for it next year. So first thing we all said, as soon as we got done with that game was, guys, this you know, next season starts today. And we've uh yeah, they've been doing um uh you know, meet up and uh pick up games of water polo at IM West, stuff like that, and just I've uh been starting to go back to uh working out and stuff like that. So, you know, it's uh yeah you know it was, it was a good season, not that we wanted it to end, but I'm certainly not upset with how we ended. We definitely proved to the Big Tens and the <laughs> Nationals that you know we're Michigan State, we're a team we reckon with
0: and go to that Indiana game now now you played them previously in the regular season, beat them by a goal mm-hmm. um and then of course they came back in the Big Ten championship and did the opposite to you. So talk about that championship game uh just kind of break it down for
2: us what what kind of game was that? Again, it was anybody's game, we were up by one point, down, we tied it up, it was just a back and forth thing, it really just came down to a point where we didn't really have to sub in much of the starting line, it was that intense of a game, um, and, and you know what, uh, it's just sometimes Indiana took some risks that paid off for them, uh, we couldn't set up occasionally, so and just at the end of the day they managed to get to that one goal in overtime that pushed them over the edge, and... Uh, Again, you know, it could have been, we could have tied it up at the last second. Who knows? We could have maybe gone to win it, but it's just one of those things where, you know, the cards didn't play out. Now, uh, now, obviously, you know, being a student here at Michigan State, it's Michigan
0: week. It's hard to have a little brother. Or he a little brother. I don't know, he's... And you split Michigan in the regular season. And so uh, talk about that rivalry between Michigan and Michigan State in Waterpole. And you, you beat them earlier in the season at Tennessee, in the mm-hmm. Tennessee invite. Then they came back and they and they got you in the last game of the Big Ten season. So, just talk about that rivalry cuz I know there's a rich history there. Was that something coming into uh when you started playing water polo that you understood or did you kind of have to experience it for first uh, a time or two to understand what that rivalry really is?
2: Maybe some of the, you know, upper players could explain some rivalry that I'm not sure of, but to me it was just that we're state, we're Michigan, we're rivals. It's just this historic thing. In the same way that I'm looking forward to state, you know, beating them on, you know, football. It's just that I came in here, and I was like, yeah, I'm state, I'm a Spartan. I picked this school, and it's Michigan. You know, screw them. I want them to uh, to lose. So um, I necessarily have to learn it, but I think definitely when uh, I saw my first game against them and how sort of, like, tough it was, that it was like, oh, this is actually a challenge to really play this team, which is great. It's, it's nice to have a rival that's actually, like a heated game to have so you know yeah and again it was it was just great that uh over with our seating and everything with the big tens that we you know came out on top of you know on top of michigan that's definitely what makes it a better season for me too is that they ended up third and we ended up second you had a new head coach this year mike scarcelli he's mm-hmm. the women's
0: coach last year so he does have some experience but this was his first experience with the men's this season
2: talk about uh, how he did as his first season as the men's head coach uh i don't mean to put down our coach from last year but definitely it was a lot better he he's a great understanding of the game he's an all-american player so he knows how to play he doesn't think like a water polo player and such and i just say he was tough but fair he would give us hard sets but we, you know, we could understand what we were going for it wasn't something random like uh all right 500 butterfly go you know if he did a butterfly set it was because it was like a tough thing to do either it was we weren't li- you know Putting enough effort in, or it was just a way to get us, you know, more uh, fit. He brought in books and water polo that we could borrow any time and look into and stuff. I'd ask him occasionally, "Hey, you know, what should I look at for, uh, you know, to pick up on stuff and, like how to play, blah blah blah?" And he'd say, "Oh, look up um, American Olympic team, whatever or this year, and so on and so forth." So, you know, he just um, he took the time to understand the strengths of each player. In the beginning of the season, he had us all write down. Uh, you know, our goals, what our, you know, expectations are for the season amongst ourselves uh, and such. And, you know, he worked with that. And so uh, for the upper players, he'd work on plays with them. He'd analyze, you know, what their strengths are, who's a good shooter, who's a good passer, and so forth. And he would call plays on that or he'd have them work on it. And for people like me, he would just, you know, say, okay, you know, here's how you can work on uh, basic ball handling or how to work on catching and stuff. And he was a coach that, you know, he would go over fundamentals if necessary because he recognized that that's... That's like one of the most important things at the end of the day we you know, we talked about briefly about
0: about nationals uh for for those for those who don't know it's it's the national seeding is very similar to maybe one one uh region of march madness it's a one through sixteen seed um except a little bit different that if these are all teams who won their conference championship so but one through sixteen they're matched up the same you know the one versus sixteen. Uh, two versus 15 and we'll go over that in a second um indiana as we mentioned though is representing the big 10 at nationals um they have that always exciting eight versus nine matchup against oregon now i i know you've seen indiana twice this year um i don't know how much you know about oregon but just how do you think they're going to fare out in against that first round matchup based on the two games you saw them play and maybe the rest of the tournament
2: you know what? Uh, Indiana's a Big Ten school, and I hope they represent us well. And um, from what I've seen them play, they're a tough team. They they've got good players. They know how to set up, but they you know they know how to take um, you know smart shots or even just risky ones that they feel pay off. So uh, I can't really count on Oregon, but I I you know I'd like to hope that they they do the Big Ten proud. That they can definitely hold their own and you beat them and maybe even go on to a semis. or I'm not really sure the caliber of the competition there. I know uh some of the west coast teams can be really really good and i think some of the schools like in the georgia region i feel like it mm-hmm. possibly be pretty good or not absolutely and we'll
0: go over the uh the seeding right now here uh now the the one and the 16th seed have not been determined yet i'm assuming that's going to happen sometime this weekend mm-hmm. um and so but the the rest of the seeds have been determined we got the the second seed university of california that's berkeley against the university of maryland the 15th seed
1: grab nice cakes and football nice. that's what maryland
0: does Third seed, University of Texas versus the 14th, University of Georgia. A good Southern matchup there. Uh, we also have the fourth seed, Arizona State against 13th seed, Cornell. And I don't know about you, but I feel like Cornell in any sport is always the 13th seed because it feels like every time they're in March Madness, they the 13th seed. So I don't know if that's a trend there. But the fifth seed is Dartmouth, the Scholars. Dartmouth against Illinois State, which is the 12th seed, Then we have 6-seed Lindenwood, which actually I've had uh, some people uh, that played polo here at Michigan State talk about how Lindenwood's actually a very good team, and most people don't know about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Chase Plank, who was a former player here at Michigan State a few years ago, um had a very interesting story about uh Lindenwood and how they wanted to break his nose. So, uh that very interesting day. That's in a different episode, but they're the sixth seed against uh 11th seed Ohio State. Now, Ohio State, you might be thinking, "Well, I thought they were in the Big 10." Now, they're actually in a different conference. They're in the Great Lakes Conference um because they they the travel issues and things like that. Um the uh, I've I've been explained to that um, the Big Ten isn't the Big Ten like you would think in football because mm-hmm. it's a self-funded sport. Some teams who are farther out just stick to their region rather than the conference. Um, you know, Nebraska, Minnesota—they kind of stick out to where where they uh, already are. There, Ohio State's in the Great Lake region. Now, I looked at the Great Lake region though, and maybe you can clarify this. It really didn't seem like it was that big of a difference from the Big Ten, and I and I was wondering because you have Grand Valley in the Great Lakes Division. OK, but why was that? I mean, but, you know, why not just be in the Big Ten if you're in if you're already in there? Or is it because you're not a Big Ten school, you can't be in it?
2: What, what's going on there? Can you explain anything about be a that? Host of things. I can't fully clarify for you, but it could be, like you said, a funding issue and travel is a big problem. So it could be that It could be the team doesn't want to do it or I, I really can't fully uh, illuminate why that is. Yeah, and so
0: the Great Lakes region, for for those of you who don't know, is basically just uh, Ohio and Indiana in a region. That's mostly Ohio and Indiana teams. Then you have Grand Valley in there for Michigan. But anyway, so Lindenwood's sixth six seed against the 11th seed Ohio State. Then we got the seventh seed, University of Miami. That's Florida against uh, university of pennsylvania and then like we said earlier the eighth ninth seed is the indiana university against the university of oregon so that's your seeding there um and again one through one and 16 seeds have not been determined yet but you mentioned uh ian Wendro, our guest that uh offseason started as soon as you lost that big 10 game so just touch up a little bit more on what what do you do in the offseason to prepare for next season
2: um individually uh, I'll go and I'll you know do some swim sets or whatever I have a plan of fitness membership so I'm gonna go run in the gym and just do various things on that as a team we'll get together we'll play uh just some pickup games of scrimmaging each other either that or we'll sh- you know do shooting or what have you so honestly it's just as long as we're doing something to keep ourselves in shape then kudos to you man that's what you do um and you just work towards next season with that goal in mind of getting uh, first place. Now, the girls' season starts in the spring, coming up here pretty
0: soon. Uh, does the men's and the women's team, do they show a lot of support between each other? Absolutely. What
2: usually happens is that whenever you know we have our Spartan invite that we hosted earlier in the year, the girls' team will help put it on for us, and then vice versa, we'll be done with them. Um, for our Big Tens, the girls will host a dinner for us, and we'll do the same for them when their Big Ten tournament comes up. So, yeah, there's a lot of solidarity going on uh, back and forth. And uh, you know, we're both club polo t- uh, teams here at State, and we're both... Uh, you know, this Brotherhood sister thing going on.
0: Well, you, uh, <laughs> you just finished your second year on the MSU Club water polo team, 9-2 and overall, 7-1 and in the Big Ten. Ian Wendrell, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. That does it for myself here at Pool Time for Impact Sports. My name is Max King. Again, you can follow Pool Time and all updates on Michigan State swimming, diving, and water polo at impact89fm.org forward slash sports. This is episode five of Pool Time. Appreciate everyone who listens. Talk to you soon.